Hey folks, Josh here. This fall at Gen Con, the largest tabletop gaming convention in the world, our show will be hosting its very first live recording session, taking place August 2nd at 8 p.m. in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Indianapolis. This show will include a one-time recording of a What's in the Rift one-shot, as well as a prize drawing amongst ticketed guests where we'll be handing out exclusive What's in the Rift Gen Con 2024 custom t-shirts, as well as a Cortex Prime RPG handbook signed by the system's creator, Cam Banks. Tickets are $6 and available via Gen Con's events page. You can find more information and a link to the sales portal at rift.show forward slash live. We can't wait to see you there. Rusty Quill presents. Hey folks, Josh here. Today I have the pleasure of bringing you one of my favorite new sci-fi podcasts for our pre-roll highlight. Regina Prime is a tale about identity, legacy, and sacrifice. I I know that sounds vague, but giving away any of the twists in the story would be doing a serious disservice to you as a potential listener. Suffice to say that I spent all 10 episodes constantly wanting to peel back the next layer of this story just to figure out what the hell was going on. If you like our show, I promise you'll love Regina Prime. On a more personal note, the show's creator, Jess Burson, has been wildly supportive in helping get What's in the Rift more exposure. Jess is one of the best in the industry, even if she wouldn't believe me if she's hearing me say it right now. Uh, Thank you, Jess. We all appreciate you here. Without further ado, here's a trailer for Regina Prime. Do you know who you look like? Who you sound like? Who you were modeled after? I want to go home. What don't you understand about that? I don't even know how long I've been here. Why did you have to go looking, Regina? Why couldn't you have left well enough alone? Who is Regina Prime? All of them deny being this Regina person. Yes, they were determined to be truthful in their denial of the Regina Prime identity. There's always something in the moment before. I did what you asked me to do. Now please stop contacting me. I don't want to hear from you anymore, okay? You can do your own dirty work. I'm tired of being your pawn. A science fiction mystery spanning centuries. A mistake that affected hundreds of lives and put all of existence in danger. So many things she did wrong. And she knew they were wrong. She knew. And she did them anyway. Hey guys, what's up? It's me. Regina. Regina Prime. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. That was Regina Prime. Go check it out wherever you find your podcasts. Now, stick around for What's in the Rift. For the best listening experience, we recommend headphones. Previously on What's in the Rift. Do you know Alana? Jason stops dead in his tracks. Why are you bringing up that name? The thing, person... 
whatever's behind that name is what I have a problem with. And if that's something that you're going to keep choosing to bring to my presence, I don't know if we can be friends. And he cocks his finger gun? Court, honey, am I sensing some misplaced loyalty to Bruce? I really liked Bruce. He was a really cool guy. If you're worried about him, I mean, I guess you could go take care of him. And he raises a finger gun. Good luck. I would like to take an overdramatic bow. You feel the ecstasy of being nothing and everything all at once before you start to recongeal. And when you look up, you're in a car. How did you get here, Court? Oh, I got shot. You got what? What? I will use my two plot points to create a shoot fire escape that is not broken. We made it. Uh, that was... Did it go quite as planned? Do you think you can, uh, help us try to get ourselves out of this thing? Yeah, let's get you guys out. Bruce, if you could imagine yourself as a bubble, you could feel yourself kind of retracting around a fault in your being. You begin to unravel and dissipate and become one with the air around you. And you spend a blissful few seconds feeling like the universe. And then you reconstitute. Only now you're back in a hotel, a hotel very familiar to you, a hotel that you left not even two and a half hours ago. Let's just see if we can drive through this. It doesn't look that deep. You really want to try this, because this doesn't look like a for sure thing to me. You think so? You think it's that bad? You think maybe we get stuck? And you press the hand pedal as far as it will go. The car lurches forward straight over a canal in the middle of what should be a street, still a full mile away from the only hospital in the area. What's in the Rift is intended for mature audiences. This show includes death, drug use, criminal activity, and a consistent undercurrent of existential dread. Any children discovered listening to this show will get the hammer. Our story continues with Blanche Boyer driving her vehicle at the edge of a canal, attempting to get an injured Herman Foster to a hospital with the help of her new friend Jackie McLeod. Blanche, if you remember correctly, you were heading straight into this canal. Enlighten me, what is going through your head as you inch towards what appears to be an open gap in the roadway? So I'm thinking if I ease into this, Maybe I can get to the bottom okay and just, like, drive right up it, right? Indeed, the map is telling you to drive in it, but you'd have to assume that it's not asking you to drive in a canal, but rather a road. It's just that the road's not there. There's no road, so I'm just, I mean, I can use it like a road. It's its flat in the bottom, right? It's not, like, angled or, like... Relatively flat. 
Uh, not not exactly designed for driving, but by all means. This is going to require a check, though. So go ahead and build me a dice pool. Oh, Jesus. The dice pool. That's right. Let me see. Okay, definitely manager, because this is something. Oh, that's your reasoning is this is something. This is a hell of a situation that I got to figure out how the hell we're going to do this. I got a, I got a canal instead of a road, okay? I'm working with it. Also, I'm going to use my SFX. Is that a fact? To gain another plot point because I like plot points. So that makes your distinction, whichever one you're choosing to use a D4. Uh, rebellious spirit because don't tell me to drive in a road GPS. I'll drive in a ditch if I have to. Is stepping that down a good idea right now? <laughs> I It's... It's probably fine, because I'm going to use pragmatism with my values, which is going to make up for whatever I lost there. And uh, Jackie, out of my relationships. You have to beat a 16. Okay. Come on, dice, be with me. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Um, not only did I not beat that, but I also rolled a one. What's, what's your total out of curiosity? 11 with a one. Because there are clear consequences for failing this action, you are going to end up with a complication, but we'll deal with that in a second. Blanche, you ease the nose of your car into the edge of this ditch, and it's possible that maybe the vantage point in your seat, you didn't really appropriately gauge the grade, but it is damn near vertical. By the time that you realize this, it's already What the fuck are you doing? Your car starts to lean and tip forward, and Herman, who's unsecured in the back, comes flying towards the front of the car and hits the back of the front seats. And that impact sends the car flying forward. The ground is rising up to meet you, and you crash hard. The last time we checked in with you, you were zapped into non-existence by a living deity, or at least a man who claimed to be a living deity. You did rematerialize, however, in a hotel, and it's a hotel that, that to you seems familiar. It does look exactly like the Grandestino Hotel that you had left Angie and Hans at. Is it Hans or Hans? Hans, Hans. Hans. It does look exactly like the Grand <laughs> that you have left Angie and Hans at. However, it appears to be the wrong time of day from when you just were. And the decor looks a little bit less crisp, a little less clean, a little less vibrant than it did when you last saw it just a few hours ago. Is it light out? Is it that much earlier? It is. In fact, it is, if you had to guess, mid-afternoon. And I know I'm back in my clothes. Do they look worse for the wear, or...? You are back in the clothes that you started off the day with. And they're looking relatively fresh? Relatively fresh. There's a small crowd bustling around you. 
a few groups of folks walking by with placards on their neck on lanyards, almost like they're moving to or from a convention. Just kind of a, a typical scene that you would see in a hotel lobby. All right. Bruce is going to check his wallet because naturally he keeps all his hotel key cards in his wallet. You're looking specifically for a hotel key card? Yeah, the one that I had used earlier that day. Sure, yeah, I mean, it's there. Nothing really has changed. Uh, Almost as if your encounter with Jason never happened. And now, all of a sudden, as if waking from a fever dream, you are in the lobby of the Grand Estina Hotel. Bruce is just going to head to the elevator, head back to his room, and see if this was all some wild fever dream. You make your way to the elevator. You manage to catch a car heading up. You go to wave your key card in front of the badge reader there, except it doesn't register at all. No indication, a light, red or green or otherwise, and the keys do not operate when you press them. A small child gets on the elevator next to you. Um, floor 11, please. I'd love to help you a little, buddy, but I think you might have to help me. Look at this. Is, is it broken? I, maybe I'm broken? What? He kind of looks at you weird and then takes a step towards the door. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just take the next one. And he <laughs> steps out and the doors start to close on you. I am not having a good day with kids. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> I think I will try and take the stairs because I think Bruce still has some residual spook from the shifting universe before. You make your way out, follow the signs around the lobby here to another hallway, not that far from where the elevators are. In fact, it's just up and around the bend where you find a staircase and you open the staircase door straight into a man who's coming from the other side. Oh, oh no. Pardon me, sorry. No, it's, it's okay, sorry. It's my fault for not looking. Alana, can you help me? As you open the door a little bit more, there stands a dark-haired man with long sideburns and and longish hair, almost shoulder length, swept behind his ears. And there's a small blonde woman wearing a white lab coat next to him. Both of them have the same placard strung around their necks, and they bend over to begin picking up papers. Bruce, I'm going to need a test from you to determine just how much information you are able to garner from giving this scene a once-over as you bend to help them pick up papers. We're going to have a D6 challenge here to see what information you can gather. We're going to add in your crisis dice because you are actively in a crisis. You'll be using the Bruce's Missing Crisis dice, which is a D6 and a D10. Okay, uh, that's three twos and a nine, which means that you have to beat an 11. All right. So I'll use the distinction of consummate nerd because noticing what might be on those papers or tuning into whatever convention is in the hotel is a pretty nerdy thing to do. Can I use my connection to Angie and Hans since I'm trying to figure out if I'm in the hotel with them? That's a little bit too tenuous for my taste. I'm sorry. Okay. How about self-preservation for a value? Because I'm just trying to stay afloat here. Trying to figure out what's going on, yeah. (laughs) And I say technologist. I don't know what these papers are, but I'm guessing with the badges and piecing all of this together. Given the content of the papers, I think technologist is actually appropriate. Awesome. Oh, wow. 
22. Uh, 22 is a heroic success. There are four pieces of information that you could gather from this, and you're going to end up with all four of them. Oh, let me help you there, fellow. So sorry. Oh, no, no, no. It's no problem. Bruce, you get down close, and as you're helping shuffle these papers back in to a binder for this gentleman, there are a few things that you notice. One, across the top of every one of these papers is a four-letter sequence. And that four-letter sequence is UCRI. It appears on every page. And UCRI feels significant, feels like something's tickling the back of your head when you see that. There's a name of the convention on his badge as he leans forward that catches your eye, and that is the Spearsci Convention, spelled S-P-I-R capital S-C-I. You know a lot of conventions in North America. You follow a lot of conventions. <laughs> You've never heard of Spearsi or Spursy or whatever it may be called. On both of these placards, you see the names of the people who you've run into. One is Dima Volkov, and the other is Alana Ritzkov. The last piece of information that you see as you stand up and hand the papers back to the man that you now know as Dima is the book that... Alana is holding and the title of Cultural Aphasia, Losing Your Place in the World. You take this all in in a matter of seconds and the man gathers himself for a second and looks across at you, Bruce. I'm sure it's my fault. I am a clumsy man at times. Are you in town for Spearside too? I've been to a lot of conventions, but I never heard of Spearside. Is it that sci-fi convention? <laughs> no. He tugs at the lapel of his white lab coat. No, this is not a cosplay. I actually am a scientist. Oh. As is my associate, Alana, here. Say hello, Alana. The woman's head is tucked down, but it raises briefly after he says this, and she steals a little bit of a glance at you, Bruce. But she doesn't acknowledge you any more than that. Salutations. Oh, it's, um, it's nice to meet you. So, you are not here for Spearsai. Hmm, I thought we had this whole hotel booked. What are you here for? You know, seeing the attractions with the family, gotta have a little time off. My little guy's growing up, so, you know, do some of this fun kid stuff while he's still can appreciate it. Hmm, fascinating. You have family here then? I... yes, I... I believe so. I mean, yes. Uh, best to your family. I do not wish to keep you from them, but I will say, I am a little embarrassed that have been running into you in such a way. May I offer you a drink? We'll be going over our papers in the hotel bar if you need someone to talk to. I like to meet new people, that's all. I am Dima, and you are? I'm Bruce. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Bruce pulls out his business card and gives it to him. <laughs> I like a man who is organized, and this, this is very organized. <laughs> Naturally. Come, say hello to your family. We will be in the hotel for quite a while. You strike me as an interesting man, Bruce. And I, I like to collect interesting people. So, 
If you are looking for conversation, or perhaps just a friend, come and find me and Molana anytime you like. Can, can I ask you something that might sound a little odd? Oh, of course. I, this is the Grand Destino Hotel, correct? It is indeed, yes. Okay, I, I, I knew that. Thank you. You asked this question, Bruce, and as Dima's responding to you, Alana jerks her head upright and looks directly at you and seems very interested in, in your lack of knowledge of the hotel that you're currently in. Sorry, I, I was just having a little problem with my key card, so I, I thought maybe I was, you know, out walking around and got thrown off, went into the wrong building or something. She gives you a cockeyed glance, Bruce. Are you by chance having any difficulties with memory, Bruce? Memory? Well, I would have to assume that you didn't wander into a hotel that wasn't your own thinking your family was here. It, um, it seems like you would know the name of the hotel that you are going to or, or which hotel was which. You know what? Let's get that drink we just talked about, and then I can give you a better idea of what happened to me. Okay. If you want to accompany us there, then please, do. And he sets off. But if you need to go check on your family, please. We will be here, like I said, for a while. I do not wish to impose. I actually, I think I would rather talk to somebody else about this before I talk to them. Something really strange has already happened to me today. It seems like it is day for strange things. Something strange has happened to us as well. He makes his way to a spot near the lower lobby with a sweeping curved bar and a mock stained glass backstop. The sign over the door says Barcelona Lounge. He moves up to an open spot at a high top near the bar where he sits down and immediately raises his hand, calls the bartender over, and orders straight vodka. He looks over at Alana, who declines any drink, and then looks over at you, Bruce, and says, Can I buy something for our new friend? What's the highest ABV IPA you have? We do have a new IPA from a local brewer in town that we've just begun offering. It clocks in at just shy of 10% ABV. Goes by the charming name Scrotum of the Dog. Can I have a, the six ounce of that, please? Of course, sir. Right away. All right. Keep my wits about me. So, Bruce, tell me again. You come to Florida to see the sights? What is your weird little thing that could possibly have happened to separate you not only from your family, but left you questioning which hotel you are in? Uh, what, kind, what kind of scientists are you? Before I start... Well, I dabble a little bit. I am currently, I guess you could say, spending time doing residency, whatever you choose to call it. I am studying under a philosopher, and his name is Nathan Orville. What about you? Was it Ileana? My name is Alana, and I'm, well, I... Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm an anthropologist. Wait. Alana? Yes. Alana Ritzkoff. She stares at you, her eyes narrowed a little bit, almost like she's expecting something of you. Yes, I'm an anthropologist. I I work with Dima. He's really selling himself too short. He may have once worked with Nathan, but he's now leading our initiative. 
uh, our project. Okay, I think Bruce's head is just buzzing. He did not clock Alana. In fact, let's say that it was Bruce that thought it was Ileana and not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely clocks at this moment, though. That name is very recently in your head. What about you, Bruce? Uh, what do you do? I, uh, <laughs> oh. Bruce is just hesitating because that letter is just burning inside of his pocket right now, but he is a little gun-shy after his experience with Jason also to just throw everything out on the table. Do you remember what Jason said to you right before he sent you away? No, I don't. He said that he was going to send you to be with two of the most important people in the world. Hmm... And when you first got here, you had to assume that was Angie and Hans. But here you are sitting in front of two folks in lab coats surrounded by other folks in lab coats, almost like a child's conception of what a convention of scientists would look like. Everything about the Grandestina feels unlike it was when you left it. And looking around, you do notice small things. Things like the decor that was here when you first checked in, including a large glass wall with pastel colors, simply isn't there. There are strange things that you notice on the table, including something referencing a book that had just released not that long ago. A book that you recognize to be almost 15 years old at this point. As you do another scan of this room, you notice just the briefest glimpse of somebody with a laptop open watching some type of moving picture. You're not back where you belonged at all. And here is Alana, a name that you had never heard, at least not in any sort of direct context before an hour ago when you received a letter from a strange girl in an abandoned apartment building. And this letter is now still in your pocket. And here's an Alana directly in front of you. Bruce, tell me a little bit about yourself. I am a director of data analytics. Uh, Alana, do you do Eastern uh, anthropology? Do you look at, you know, mystic arts? Uh, what do you, um, Eastern anthropology? I... <laughs> well, can you explain? I didn't study it at school. <laughs> Give me a roll here. There are some context clues that you went over. Maybe gain a little bit more information about some of the things that you saw that might give you a better line of questioning. All right. I use found family to try to leverage these two people that I've just come across. Mm -hmm. And let's see. I guess pragmatism. Okay. That's not particularly good die. Yeah, and manager so that I can kind of take in all this information and put it together appropriately. On your D6 test with your crisis die added, I've rolled two twos, one one, and a four, meaning that you have to beat six. That's a 14, but I rolled a one again. (laughs) There are no clear consequences other than maybe putting your foot in your mouth at this point. Here's what you can tell on a 14, which is a heroic success. 
What stands out to you most looking at Alana right now is the book that she has placed in front of her. And again, the title of that book is Cultural Aphasia, Losing Your Place in the World. And what you remember of the letter was the story of Lai Bojing, the man who forgot who he was and how to speak the language of his people. A man who believed himself to be someone called David. Knowing the title of that book, and I would assume that Bruce has encountered the words cultural and aphasia before, right? Certainly. The well-read guy. You can, from context clues, start to draw some lines between the contents of the letter and the story of Lai Bojing and what Alana is currently reading. Do you know the name Lai Bojing? Oh, are you familiar with our work, Bruce? I can't even begin to tell you how my day has gone, but I received this letter from a very rude young woman earlier today, I have to say, and it's signed Alana. He's going to take the letter out and show it to Alana. Alana takes the letter, and before she can really even set down the first page of it, Dima snatches it up and begins reading it as well. Alana looks perplexed as she progresses through this letter, and when she sets down the last page and Dima snatches it up, Alana stares at you with a blank expression. Why are you telling some strange man about the work we are doing? And why put it like like a children's tale? I have not sworn you to secrecy. I have not told you that this shouldn't be discussed. I have not kept secrets. What is the meaning of this? It, it, it's destiny, can't you see? There's a, there's a reason we literally ran into each other. We're supposed to be together. I don't know why, but, but it's just like the blizzard. Now, I certainly believe that you are fucking with me to say the words destiny, to bring up Libojing, to have a letter with Alana's name on it. This is an affront. And I have to believe that this is something that perhaps Alan or Darjan has put you up to. No, no. I told you exactly. This very rude young woman gave me this letter. I do not wish to be played with. And if you will not tell me the truth of why you are here, then I am no longer interested in speaking with you, Bruce. And he stares at you unwilling to break his gaze he is he is giving you a withering stare I don't think that's the kind of confrontation that Bruce handles particularly well Bruce is going to try to break eye contact and look at Alana you look over at Alana and she is looking down intensely at the last page of your letter which still sits on the table and she looks up briefly not at you but at Dima and says Dima, you have to believe me. I didn't write this. I don't know where he got it. He doesn't respond and continues staring at you, Bruce. His empty vodka glass sits between you, and the finger that was pressed into the table drags along the surface until his fist is wrapped around that glass, never breaking eye contact with you. I am not 
a man of violence. I do not choose to be a man of violence. But we don't always get to make our choices, do we? Whoa, whoa. I'll pay for the drinks. I am offering you a chance to leave, Bruce. I don't know what has brought you here. I do not know who has put you up to this. But you are no longer welcome. As he says this, Bruce, you feel a tug at your stomach. The same kind of tug you just felt before arriving at the Grand Estino. And you feel yourself standing up and backing away from the table and as you do things start to fade and before you know it everything around you is black again we'll have to catch back up with you in a second though Bruce because it's time that we revisit Jenny, Tosca and Court Tosca, you've just stopped Gypsum from a routine assault, something that would not generally set off a flag for you or cause you to get out your seat. Right. And yet here you are with your hand on his spanner, preventing him from swinging at a strange person that has just shown up in your car. Tosca, you've changed. Dude. I haven't changed. The world has changed. Have you not noticed that? Tosca, everything's changing all the time. And it's important to be a constant. Somebody just fucking materialized in this vehicle and your immediate reaction was to hit them with a wrench. Tosca, I don't think that's that far out of character for me. Look at what we're doing here. What I'm trying to to verbalize to you is that things are different now. So maybe we shouldn't try to rob every person we see or hit every person we see with a with, with a fucking wrench, especially when they just materialize from thin air. Speaking of, how did you materialize in the front seat of this car? Oh, like I said, I was shot and then I was here. You were shot with like a materializing mm-hmm. gun? Uh, I think so, but it looked a lot like a finger gun. What shot you with a finger gun? Oh, uh, their name was Jason. It was Jason Christ. Uh, they were pretty cool, actually. Had good taste in beer. <laughs> there it is again, Jenny. Yeah, Jenny kind of puts her her head in her hand and starts sort of massaging her fort. Like, why does this make sense? You can see she's kind of thinking through it. Yeah, he was kind of bummed that I was uh, upset that my friend got shot. So he shot me too. Okay, your friend got shot as well? Yeah, no, he got shot. What was your friend's name? Oh, it was Bruce. Really good guy. Not the best in fashion, though. This friend Bruce, does he have anything to do with this? Oh, yes, no, he is not in signal. Oh, cool. So that's all of them then, right? Yeah, but where'd he go? He's not here. Oh, he got sent to the two most important people. Wouldn't that be Jason Christ that would be one of those? See, that's what I saw too, but like he didn't reappear over here. He just went somewhere else. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So he's like a real messiah. Like you saw him and he shot you with finger guns and you materialized in another place. So he's like legitimately magical. 
Oh yeah, no, he he could teleport. He um, changed Bruce's clothes to look more fashionable. Um, he had really good taste in IPAs. So really, I do think he was the son of God. What is an IPA? Shouldn't he be drinking wine? Oh, it's it's an Indian pale ale. It is like a um, it's a really hoppy beer. So so here's what we've established, and and you haven't heard about this Jason Christ character yet, but this is like the fifth time in the past few hours I've had this mentioned to me, and now I have a person sitting in front of me that says they were shot with his finger guns and appeared in the car, and you were about to hit them with a tool. Do you not see how that's a problem? No. Is this you saying to me that you have a problem with me trying to get rid of another problem that just showed up in a car that we, uh, uh, mind you, a car. Out of nowhere. That we have just recently taken possession of? Magic, Gypsum. This is fucking magic. There's magic You know what's magic, Tosca? Magic is the feeling of getting away scot-free with somebody else's shit. I agree. Magic is not some but this is some real woman magic showing bro. up in a car from 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 a messiah. Uh, I would like to put my two cents in. I would actually like to agree with Gypsum on this one. If someone appeared in my car randomly, I would probably hit them with a wrench too. Thank I'm you. honestly kind of surprised I didn't hit you. <laughs> Even after the night we've had, oh, my night's been pretty good. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah, no, I might ask them a question, but if they just, like, materialized in my car, and it was a new car, too, I don't normally own a car. That's a pretty big deal. So, let me just clear this up, then, young lady. Mm -hmm. You're okay with me hitting you with this banner? Oh, I prefer not to be hit, but I could see where you're coming from. All right, well, that's good enough for me. And Gypsum raises the spanner back up over his head. God damn it. Stop, Gypsum. Can I pick where you hit me? Can we get to the bottom of this and then hit people with spanners? Tosca, I am a loaded gun and I am going I'm to aware. go off. I'm aware you are, but listen, listen to reason. It matters not to the gun where it's pointed. Gypsum, this is not okay. We need to figure out exactly what is going on here. And here's the reason. Look at this from a point of self-preservation. Crazy shit is going on all around us. There's people materializing in cars. Buildings are, like, becoming other buildings. The world is shifting in place. And now we have maybe a legitimate messiah. This person that just showed up in our car who was shot with a finger gun by this legitimate messiah might have answers that we can use to further rob people in better and newer ways. A legitimate messiah sounds like a a warden of a prison that I am not asking to be part of. Uh, You want someone coming in to tell you how how to live your life and what is a good life, Tosca? Fine. You can go chase God. No. No, that's not what I want. What I want is to know what is going on. And I think it has something to do with what's happening to Glinda as well. Who? Yeah, Glinda, your your wife. Oh, shit. Bro? Gypsum leans forward a little bit and looks in through the window and says, Oh, hey, baby. Uh, how you feeling? She tried to kill herself is how she's feeling. <laughs> Gypsum, you're an asshole. Tosca, you saying this like this is news to me. I am doing what I have to do to continue to survive. You don't get to be the advanced age of 44 in a place like Florida like me. Without being a little bit, you know, wild at times. Give me the spanner. Just give it to me. Hand it over. 
Let's talk all this out. And then, and then if you still want to hit court with it, then by all means. Tasha, you're asking a man who lives and dies by violence and might makes right to give up his only advantage in this situation. You are going to have to give me a hell of a roll. Hell yeah. Convince him to get rid of the spanner. All right. Give me one second. This is a D10 challenge. And that's only a nine. Always on the outside. I guess you are ostracizing your only friend right now. Okay. And then I'm going to use my four for pragmatism because I can't think of anything else that'll make sense here. And can I use the relationship with court because I'm trying to protect court? As long as court's okay with that. Court. I'm all right with that. I do not want to get hit. I'm going to use scoundrel. No, this is decidedly an unscoundrel behavior. Okay, metaphysicist, because the whole point here is to try and figure out what's going on. Yeah. And I'm going to use doing it the hard way, so I'm going to step down my eight to a six. Up to a four. So I should have, um, wait, what now? Doing it the hard way steps it down by two, so your D8 becomes a D4. Uh, Oh, shit. Makes it more likely to roll a one, which is just more plot points, so... Okay, I'm not going to step that down. Okay, so I have a, um, and I've got 14 and no ones. Okay, well, a 14 does beat the nine, and it does beat it by five, which is a heroic success. So, here's how this plays out. He slaps the spanner into your hand, and he goes, I ain't super happy with how this night's gone. I'll give you 20 minutes, man. Figure it out. And he kind of storms back off in the general direction of the building. Court, is there anything else you can tell us about what occurred before you got here? Oh, yeah. So um, a couple things. One, we found this this girl inside of an abandoned apartment. She gave Bruce a letter. Bruce was a little bit creepy. I wasn't fully all right with that. But like, you know, to each their own. Then the letter was from a mysterious lady. Uh, I don't remember her name, but that's not important. What's important is she wrote to Bruce saying that they will always be friends. And then when Bruce brought this up to Jason, it made Jason really angry. And that's why he shot Bruce. Did anything else happen? No, that pretty much sums it up besides trying to find you all, uh, which was really confusing. So what did the letter, what what was the content? Uh, It was almost like a story about a person who memories started to get altered and they believed they were someone else and then a wizard or a sorcerer i'm not sure what the difference is was trying to discern what the issue was and where it came from i only kind of read it over bruce's shoulder he knows way more than i do you said their memory started to change Mm -hmm. um that's very odd because you just appeared in our car we happen to have what we think is like a brain gun and you're talking about memories we're all from the rift Things have gone really crazy, so we need to uh, start start fi- start seeking should answers. Should we? Jenny instinctively reaches for her phone and remembers it's no more. You guys should try and message Bruce in the rift. We we need to find him. I think. Oh yeah, let me pull my phone out. Oh, I'm not getting good signals right now. Hold on. And court <laughs> starts like moving it around the car. <laughs> Who's your provider? Oh, uh, A, Z, and Z. Um, oh, no. As mobile. <laughs> oh, oh, I got, I got the bar. I got the bar. Okay, good. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, no, it's back. All right, let me take a look. Court's going to try messaging on the rift. 
Court, you bring up the rift without issue, and as you load it up, you get a notification ding like you've already received a message. Oh, I have a message. This message reads, as a post on the rift, unlike every other post you've seen, completely legibly. Successful interlace event recorded. Entity 1033 marked primary. Entity AR2517 set to redundancy. Units marked redundant are now to be considered severance risks. Reintegrate where possible. Unexpected instability detected post-interlace. This channel will persist to ensure continuity in connection. In the event of individual instability, be advised, pruning is preferable to severance. Confirm receipt and purge logs. Data segregation is a priority one initiative. Confirm. Don't hit confirm, that's what I did. That's why my phone doesn't work anymore, it melted. Don't don't push that button, just ignore it and message Bruce. Oh, okay. I noticed an interesting word there that that makes sense given our situation. The word interlace. Never really heard that used in connection to anything at all, but if I had to put a name on what seems to be happening here, that might be one I would give it. I caught that too. Tosca, you should take a picture of this one with your phone too. Just yeah. in case. In case what? I don't know. Well, we've had a very, uh, before you got here, a very strange time of it, Court. So, Jenny, we have, um, you remember all the AR numbers from the original message? We have another one here, um, that are not the same as the previous, so that makes it six AR numbers total. We're missing the one. They've got to be us. It would make sense that if it was this other, I mean, if, if any of this even means anything, that that this person that's not here and maybe that's what the unexpected instability post interlace is referring to i don't know i'm not sure i don't know what any of this means but oh it could be because bruce was finger gunned uh, oh it also could be because i am not necessarily part of the rift i was i sort of walked into the whole thing what, what do you mean by that? I'm not a part of this whole thing by anything but sheer coincidence, so that would also make sense. So, oh, wait a second. I mean, now I'm fully a part of it. I, I have the thing, the, the hammer. Jenny doesn't know what to think. If you recall when she first met you, she did not trust you. <laughs> When, when you first met him, like, four hours ago at this point? Yeah, yeah, right? But obviously, you know, you're kind of in a situation you gotta make friends fast. But now, when you say, I wasn't even supposed to be here, in Jenny mind, she's like, the fuck? <laughs> and you can read that all over her face, but she's not gonna say anything. You can tell she's trying to process. Let me explain. Do you remember when we met and I told you that there was somebody in my closet? Right. Yes. Okay, so that closet, I just found that, just found that literally today. And in that closet was a laptop 
and the hammer. Y'all all said y'all were coming over, so I said, fuck it, I'll play along. Now, now we're here. Were you going to hit us all with the hammer? No, 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 no. No, not at all. Listen, that guy completely deserved to be shot with an experimental gun. Like, completely. Trust me, it's fine. You shot the man with an experimental gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? Okay, so first he got kind of weird, ended up passing out. I was going to drug him, like I offered him drugs. That's how I got him in the position to shoot him. But then he sort of passed out and I left him alone for a little while. And then he woke up and this was a problem because there were people coming and I've got a person in my closet. So it makes sense. I shot him with a hammer again. It was pragmatic because, you know, that doesn't look good. Oh, okay. You're okay with this court? Oh, no, but he has a hammer and a spanner, so I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) When you say that, you see the realization come over Jenny's face. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, he could kill us right now if he wanted to. And he hasn't killed us. Exactly. So we have a car. We've got all this information, right? Does anybody have any idea of where we can go to get further information? Court, did you message Bruce? Oh, oh no, I got kind of caught up in the whole murder thing. Uh, let me... Mm-hmm. Uh, so Court's going to get her phone ready and message Bruce, saying, I found my way into a car, met up with some friends. Where are you at? Yes. You are nowhere. And you feel perfectly okay with being nowhere. You don't know how long you've been nowhere, and you have no conception of how long you will be nowhere. And you're okay with that. But something happens and gives you just a little bit of a tug. And all of a sudden, you start to feel something pulling you somewhere and you're in a space where being pulled doesn't even make sense because there's no sense of forward or back or up or down or any sort of cardinality at all until instead of being nowhere you're somewhere again and this isn't a smooth transition bruce you had appeared in the grand destino and it had felt like you'd floated in on a breeze but where you pop through now is not that It's hot. It is humid. You are wet. You're you're wet up to your your mid-ankle, and your wingtips feel like they're sloshing and full of fluid, and there's a sense of heat. More than just in the air, there's a sense of burning heat, and there's noise now, too, and that noise is rising, and you don't know where it's coming from, but there's somebody screaming. There is somebody screaming in this noise. And Bruce, it's at this moment that your vision comes back to you. And there is a fire. There is a fire in a red car. And that red car is not but maybe 15 feet in front of you. And there are people in there and that you know they're hurt. But you also get a notification down on your phone. So <laughs> <But I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, am I on fire? 
No, it's probably another car in a ditch with shallow water. You're fine. So what do you want to do, man? Burning car, phone notification. So Bruce is standing in standing water. All right, Bruce is going to swing his jacket off quickly to cover his hands and try to open the door of the car. He doesn't really know what to do in this situation. Bruce, in one motion, you advance on the car and you pull your jacket off and you wrap it around your hand and you lean in, yank on the door handle. I'm going to need a roll, Bruce, because this door is not opening easily. For sure. (laughs) Blanche, from your position, you don't see much at all. You are still strapped into the driver's seat. Next to you, Jackie is still there, but she has Herman's body laid across her, and Herman, who had been to this point completely unconscious, is now just starting to stir, and he sounds as hurt, if not more hurt, than he was before this accident. Go me. But there is someone, it sounds like, trying to get into the car. Bruce, give me that roll. I am rolling on my end. And I am going to include the medical emergency crisis in this because this has, you know, gotten a little bit more dire right now. Yes, you had a question. Did I get plot points for getting those two complications even though you didn't dig me for that? Yeah, we're, we're going to assign those in just a second here, but we're that's really what the flavor of you uh, coming through. I was just waiting until you made your roll so I could put them into mine. Okay, can I use my relationships, even though I don't know that I know these people? (laughs) As of right now, no. Okay. Let's discuss some of the complications that you accrued in your brief jaunt to the elsewhere. Bruce, you were brought out of this rough, and we're going to take those two complications that you earned to give you a D8 complication called reintegration. Okay, I have my dice pool ready. You are beating an eight. Oh, it's not so scary. I'm going to use found family, because obviously you're about to save somebody from a flaming car. Those people are like family immediately. And self-preservation, because he doesn't want to die doing this either. And handy person for using whatever small smarts he might have about... (laughs) not burning himself to death in this situation. 11. And a complication. Bruce, you do manage to yank the door open, but in the process, you have created a backdraft within the car. And that is not going to be a complication applied directly to you. It is going to add a crisis die to this medical emergency. There will be an additional D6 crisis die now for any situation pertaining to the ongoing medical emergency. Blanche, the door swings open and there is a man standing there. But the first thing that hits you isn't the sense of relief that someone has come to save you, but an immense rush of air as the now open door provides an avenue for this fire to really take off. The front of your car goes up like a forge, and a pillar of hot flame starts erupting from the hood. 
Your vents are melting as they are exposed to the engine compartment, and you have two unconscious friends next to you. I think I'll dive out of the car and see if I can get this strange man who just made the fire bigger help me drag my friends out. When you go to free your strap, it comes free as if nothing had happened to this car at all. And though you fall forward a bit into the steering wheel, you catch yourself and you spring out of this car faster than your legs have moved you in quite some time. Bruce, Holy. A, a, <laughs> a, a very short woman dives from this car and lands in your arms. You came. Please help my friends. There's more people. They're hurt. There's more people. Oh my god. Jackie's in there and her dog and her men. Front seat, back seat. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> Bruce, as you lean forward and look in the car, indeed, there are uh, more people inside. There's a woman with a mess of dark hair. And laid across her shoulders is a man unstrapped from from any type of restraint who is stirring. Uh, The woman appears to be unresponsive. The man is a little bit groggy. You can't tell. It's difficult. It's smoky. You're not sure. But as you're looking in, a dog jumps out next to you and paces up and down and begins to whine before trying to jump back into the car. To jump back into the car. The dog comes out, circles you once, and then heads back as if going to jump no, back no, into the uh, car. Oh, 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 Ace, no! Come here, come here, come here, boy! Save, save your master! <laughs> that's, that's a good boy! <laughs> <laughs> Save your master. You're doing great, okay. bud. <laughs> I think Bruce is gonna. The fire's in the front, right? The the fire is in the front of the car. It's it's coming from underneath the hood. There's likely gas leaking from somewhere, and the smell and the acrid black smoke that is rapidly filling every available space around this car is making it very difficult to do anything. The longer that you sit here trying to decide what to do, the more difficult this will become. Okay. Can can you help me, ma'am? Are you well enough? <coughs> I- uh, what can I do? Can they even breathe in there with the black smoke? Because the car is vertical, right? Let me set the scene for you. You are nose down in this canal. He is draped across Jackie's shoulders. Okay. And Jackie is unconscious having borne the full brunt of his accelerating body, suddenly decelerating against the back of her head. Okay. we even get around that side? You could wade through the water and make your way up to the other side of the car if that's what you want to do. There's an open door in front of you, though. Okay, I lay down in the water and roll around in it. <laughs> I know this. Okay. I know this sounds crazy. Okay, stick with me here. M- miss. I lay down, splash in the water, and I like splash water all over my like face and my hair, and I try to get as wet as possible. And then I stand up and approach the car to try and pull someone out. What is wrong with kids these days? <laughs> water doesn't burn, sir. If I'm wet, <laughs> I can't burn. I have to say this. 
because I, I don't think you want to do that. If you're familiar with how fires work and especially how water in, in a fire works and the heat transitive properties of water versus air, you, you don't want it to boil off of your clothes and skin in a superheated She's environment. She's already done that it. That would be... Okay. <laughs> so the answer is no. She doesn't know the properties. She doesn't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I, I approach right. the car and... Blanche, uh, having drenched yourself, the monstrous amount of heat coming off this car almost instantly starts to sublimate the water in your clothes. And whereas you could breathe through the smoke a little bit because it was being channeled upwards with the force of the fire, the rapidly accumulating vapor around you is much more difficult to breathe. And you cannot stay where you're at right now without passing out. Sweet. Okay, I retreat. Oh, <coughs> that that didn't work, sir. As if this night has not been strange enough for you, Bruce, you open the door to be greeted by an impossibly short woman diving out at you, looking at you for a moment, giving you the name of the dog, getting a bright idea look on her face before dropping into the water and rolling around, standing up, taking a step towards the car, and then running away. I think Bruce is going to try to grab Jackie by the shoulders and drag her out, because even if she has a rough tumble out, it's going to be better than her fate in there. Bruce, you reach in to grab Jackie, and you do manage to get some purchase on her leather jacket. It's difficult to do it around Herman, but Herman is slowly coming to and has pushed himself up and away from the seat. The dog in the car puts his nose up, buries it into the shoulder of her jacket as well, and starts to yank too. Good boy! Good boy! You can use Jackie's relationship with Ace for this roll. So take an additional D10 as your relationship die for this roll. Right on. This is a D8 challenge with the crisis dice included. I've got a six, two threes, and a two for a total of nine. I'm gonna go for found family, obviously. And when I say loyalty, I feel like Bruce is being pretty loyal to the people he just met. Yep, I will say that loyalty applies. Then I'll go for handy person as well. Okay. Trying to make this work. (laughs) I got 18. Bruce, this is a row of success. You tell me what happens. All right, Bruce and Ace, but mostly Ace. (laughs) Drag Jackie. Bruce is yanking on her jacket. He's got an awkward stance, one leg up, but Ace is just pushing Jackie out with all of his might, that devotion that only a dog can have for their owner. Good boy, good boy, that's right, that's right. Ermin, Ermin. You drag Jackie with Ace's help a few feet away from the car. And the force of the heat is almost repulsive by the time that you look up again. Herman is still in the car. He is faring poorly. And this has now reached high stakes territory, which means that any subsequent failure here will mean that Herman does not make it. What's wrong with your friend, lady? Why won't he wake up? He's got a head injury. We were trying to take him to the hospital. Can't really just let him die in there, can we? I mean, we can, but should we? Jason would not approve of this. 
Ah, oh, fudge it. I gotta try. Tell me how you're gonna do this, Bruce, and I will tell you what the challenge is going to be. Okay. Bruce is just gonna pull with his arms as much as he can. He can hardly imagine sticking his head back into that car after being in that heat multiple times now. He just wants to stick his arms in and yank as fast as he can and hope that that man has some sense of preservation that kicks in. Okay, this is going to be a D10 challenge. I'm using the crisis dice from the medical emergency and the flaming car. On the dice, I have a 7, a 3, a 4, and a 5. Oof. You need to beat a 12. Alright. Found family. Previously stated reasons. Can I get any support from Blanche? Yeah, I'll help. I'll keep going with loyalty because we're not letting this man down. I'd love to try for manager. <laughs> I will give you manager this time because you made the decision. You took it on yourself to make it a dangerous decision when it was definitely safer to not do this. Keep in mind, do you have pot points at the moment? I do. Pot points will allow you to step up any dice that you want. I think I'd rather save them for what might happen. I feel pretty good about this dice pool for a 12. Okay. All right. Let's hear that roll then. Oh, yes. I got 18. Nice. Okay. And no ones. Yes. Okay. Bruce, you move in and the smoke is so thick that it is almost impossible for you to tell where Herman is this mess. But as your hand is reaching out into this heat, into this acrid, bitter-tasting smoke that is filling every corner of your mouth at this moment, you feel a hand rise up and meet yours, and you grasp its wrist. And as you start to pull, you feel a tug on your lapel as Ace has begun pulling on you as well. Hero dog. With the combined might of your pole managed to get Herman loose from that dash and he comes tumbling out as you fall backwards into the shallow canal. The car goes up in flames completely. The cabin ignites as you pull Herman free and the ensuing fireball illuminates the sky. In the distance you can hear sirens and you work to pull Herman back away from the car, but he is coughing and sputtering and just now coming to. I walk over and do what I can to help pull him back, but it's, it's let's be honest here, this is mostly Ace doing the work between Bruce and I. <laughs> Fair. Hey. You get him pulled back to about the same distance as Ace has managed to drag Jackie back. The heat of it all, the sheer exertion has left you both feeling very drained. Well, since he hasn't done it already, he might be tired, but Bruce remembers his manners. Hey, I'm Bruce, by the way. Nice to meet you, Bruce. I'm Blanche. And he's reaching for his wallet, pulls out a possibly charred business card. You giving me a business card after you just pulled me from a burning vehicle? Where did you come from? Oh gosh. Lady, you really don't want to know. Oh, I think I do, because 
I, I mean, I know I'm short. I don't have the best vision. Obviously, I didn't see that this was a vertical drop uh, until my car was dropping. I'm pretty sure there wasn't a person down here. So where did you come from? I was in the sweetest nothing that I could ever imagine. It was like my brain was gelato. But before that, I can't even tell you. I've been everywhere today, which I think that's why I, I did this, because it just, after everything that's already happened, of course there was a burning car, and I had to do what I could. This is the first time I feel like I've done something right all day. Well, praise be to Jason that you showed up when you did, because we'd all be burnt to a crisp. Wait, what? Jason? You know Jason? Finally, somebody who knows Jason. Oh my, oh, I keep referencing Jason and the church and everyone looks at me like I'm crazy. Well, by everyone, I mean uh, uh, these two back here um, who are unconscious now. So just, just them, but. You mean like Jason and like all those monks? Yeah. Are you affiliated with one of the local chapters of the Brotherhood? I just met him today and he he shot me with a finger gun and met, maybe met he, he might have sent me here too? Wait, 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 wait. I wait. don't really know. The head of the local Brotherhood sent you here? No, like a real Hapton fella, like, you know, the kind of guy that the waiter doesn't look at weird when he orders an IPA. Like, cool shades, skateboard. He made me wear sandals. Jason? You... <laughs> okay, okay, now you're just... Now you're just fucking with me. Jason is a historical figure. Have you not been to Sunday school? Have you not read the good book? Look, lady. Listen, I, I've believed a lot of crazy things in my life. A lot of crazy things have happened today, but that that is just... Too far. So tell me, again, the truth. Where did you come from? Listen, I, I'm i telling you this with all the love and appreciation in my heart. You just saw me pull you and two other people from a burning car. Why would I lie to you about this? In the middle of your conversation, a loud and sputtering cough breaks this little back and forth that you have going on. Herman is coming too. (coughs) 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 Oh, no. Oh, Herman, don't move. Oh, this is bad. (coughs) Easy. You had a head injury and you might have another one now. This is bad. This is bad. This is exactly what was going to happen. Okay, what is so bad, Herman? You're all ending up in the same place. This is bad. Why is that bad, Herman? Yeah, the same place, outside the burning car. That's a good thing. Yeah, he saved you. Herman motions for you to come closer. He's obviously having difficulty keeping his voice raised enough for you to hear him. I approach. You get close enough to Herman 
and he motions to you again for you to like lean down and get next to him. As soon as you're close enough, his hand shoots up and grabs you by your shirt and pulls you down until you're inches from his bloody and soot-stained face. I remember so much more. The rift. Uh, That's why you're here. What? Right? Uh, I mean, I was... Yeah? (laughs) Are you talking to me? The rift is dangerous. You have to listen to me. Uh, The rift. The rift is a machine designed to kill agency. If, if If it's allowed to finish what it's doing... We're all fucked. We're all locked forever into the choices that have already been made for us. You've got to stop him. You, you got to kill the guy responsible for this. You, you have to kill Dima Volkov. D- who? Who's Dima Volkov? Oh. <laughs> This has been What's in the Rift. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to rate and review on your favorite podcast platforms. If you really enjoyed our show, you can support us directly via Patreon or join our Discord. Both links can be found at whatsintherift.com. What's in the Rift is brought to you by Gas Station Drugs.